What's up, everybody? My name is Adam Badger, and welcome to Talkin' Fit. What's up, guys? Thank you for listening to Talkin' Fit. As always, if you get any value out of this episode, please like, share, subscribe. Uh, Share is the most important one. Tag me on Instagram or Facebook. Let me know and let your friends know that you're listening to the podcast and that you got value from it so we can continue to do these for free. Uh, Today... We have an awesome guest, and I'm not just saying that because I know her very well. Uh, it is Mrs. Badger, Megan Badger, uh, the owner of Mama Eats, which is a, a nutrition comp- a nutrition coaching company primarily working with women trying to conceive. And Meg is very passionate about uh, holistic nutrition and healing the body through food. Uh, she's also my gorgeous wife. And this is the first time we've had... 60 to 90 minutes alone in the morning in a year and a half because we have a, b- a beautiful baby boy and we are spending that recording a podcast for you so if you don't listen to this and you don't share it shame on you shame on you so what's up babe how's it going i'm good thanks for having me i'm glad to have you so uh can you just give us a little bit of a background on you explain uh what a nutritional therapy practitioner is and you know uh what led you to start mom eats what the purpose of mom eats is sure um So a nutritional therapy practitioner is basically like a holistic nutritionist. Um, We believe in more of a functional approach to healing using food and lifestyle over, you know, traditional um, medical, you know, advice. Or medical interventions and like supplements, things like that. Although like some supplements obviously are are good to do. But um, so where did you come up with the name Mom Eats? Who came up with that name? (laughs) (laughs) Clearly you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that, I did come up with that name. I think it's pretty cool. Um, so when you started Mom Eats, uh, if you if you guys don't follow her on Instagram, I would follow her. It's Mom Eats with two S's at the end. Uh, Meg is very consistent with very educational posts. Uh, she has a great newsletter that goes out every week that goes into detail on a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about. And uh, regardless of who you are, if you're trying to conceive or not, you can get a ton of value out of the stuff she posts. But today we're focusing more on stuff that applies to uh, clients of mine and people who listen to my show, which is primarily women over the age of like 40 who are trying to lose weight, who have had trouble losing weight in the past. Uh, And the main thing we want to focus on today is overall metabolism and how protecting and supporting your metabolism uh, can really help with weight loss and why it's super important. So uh, Meg, could you give us a little bit of a background on, you know, some of the myths of metabolism and, you know, why it's super important? Sure. So I think in, you know, mainstream health world, metabolism is thought of as this like magical unicorn in your body that helps you, you know, lose weight and keep you skinny and you can eat whatever you want when you're young. And then once you hit 25 to 30, it starts to slow down and then it just slows down from there on making it more difficult to lose weight. Um, and people are always comparing themselves to other people like, oh, you can eat whatever you want because you have a fast metabolism and I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, it's simply not true that your metabolism has to slow down as you get older. Yeah. And you know, like as you get older and naturally it will like 50s, 60s, but like your metabolism doesn't need to slow down when you're 30 years old. And generally speaking, your metabolism just doesn't magically start slowing down just because you're getting older. It's generally due to lifestyle choices as you age. So for most people, uh, they just think, oh, I'm, fo- I'm in my 40s, I- my metabolism slower than in my 20s. 
but the only reason why it is slower in your 40s is not because you are 40 it's because your lifestyle doesn't support a healthy metabolism did i word that correctly yeah okay <laughs> that was a discussion we had last night because uh, they did they actually did a study i believe it was a year or two ago that they released it that kind of kind of um totally threw a wrench into the to the old mindset of well as you get older your metabolism just naturally slows down it shows that your baseline metabolic rate doesn't slow down if your lifestyle and choices and habits support a healthy metabolism. Yes. So what are some common stressors, common things that would cause a metabolism to not be as efficient as it should be? So I think first we just kind of should have an idea of what metabolism is. So metabolism is basically how efficiently you burn fuel. So you eat, your digestive system breaks down and absorbs your energy. Um, and then it's basically how well your cells use that energy to power every function going on in your body. So the metabolism is behind everything. Digestion, thyroid, wound healing, all of it. Metabolism is behind it. Um, and I think a lot of times people have a perception like, why are these things happening to me rather than what am I doing that could be causing these things to happen to me? Yeah, you know, people absolutely. are just like, oh, well, my metabolism's slow. And they never stop to think like, well, were, were, were I doing anything in my life that like might have impacted that? Or even other diseases. Like I have hypothyroidism or other things and they're just like, oh, it happened to me, not the decisions and lifestyle choices I made caused that to happen. Yeah, I mean, even when someone, uh, a doctor diagnoses it, and I know this is just getting into semantics here, but the way it's always worded is, you have high blood pressure, you have high cholesterol, not you've given yourself high cholesterol, here's how you can change it, it's just you have this now. And sometimes, you know, if you're the average person, and when I, when I do these, you know, podcasts and any posts I make, I generally t- try to talk to the average person who maybe fitness and health isn't the highest on your priority list. You have kids, you have a full-time job, and maybe it's not something you're, you're, you're hyper-focused on, even though it probably should be at the top of your priority list, but maybe it's not something. Uh, for, for the average person, when you go to your doctor and you're putting your trust in this person, and they just tell you, you have this thing now, people just kind of settle into that reality, oh, now I have to live with this, and they don't necessarily think that I could just change a few things in my day-to-day life and heal this. So um, just to kind of piggyback off what Meg was saying, your metabolism is not just about losing weight and losing body fat. And correct me if I'm wrong, but bot- losing body fat and supporting the muscle is not at the top of your body's priority list. So if you are have all these other stresses in your life, your body needs to take care of those first before it can prioritize fat loss. So if you have all these stressors, and we'll get into what the stressors are, but if you have all this other shit going on, your body's not gonna prioritize fat loss the way it should, which is what's making it harder to lose weight. So what are some of the things, day-to-day life things, choices, that could be a stressor on metabolism? So our body is really resilient and really smart, and it's constantly trying to keep us in a state of homeostasis. So when we do something to our body, whatever it might be, our body is trying to like fix or mend whatever just happened. Um, yeah, so, fix is the most recent stressor first, and then it can move on to other things. So um, your your body is always going to prioritize the functions needed to survive, and it's always going to try to keep you safe. 
Um, but throughout our day-to-day lives, we're exposed to so many stressors. And I don't just mean like, oh, today was a stressful day. Mm -hmm. There's other stressors that impact our body that I don't think people even realize are stressors on the body. So we're going to go through some of those and the biggest ones that are going to be really basically just trashing your metabolism. And then that's going to make it harder to lose weight, harder to be healthy. Um, so the first one is chronically under eating or yo-yo dieting. Um, Surprise. Yeah. Surprise. So <laughs> chronically under, you can't be in a calorie deficit forever or all year or all the time because it's a stressor on your body. When you're under eating, you're not providing your body with all of the nutrients it needs. So your body's like, whoa, 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 we need to slow down and conserve our energy. And then any food we do get, we might try to store that as energy to protect ourselves. So a lot of times, especially people that like yo-yo diet a lot, they have like this like bigger midsection and that's because that's where your organs are and your body is going to prioritize storing fat there to keep your organs warm so you can live. Um, so that's kind of one side effect we see, but overall, like everything's just going to slow down. Your metabolism slows down, digestion slows down, your thyroid slows down because it doesn't want to use up too much energy because you're not giving it enough. Um, so chronic under eating or yo-yo dieting, like where you go three months, super, super strict, and then you go off the rails and binge, your body's not used to all those calories. So naturally you're going to gain weight when you start over consuming compared to what you were. Yeah. And when you're, and when you're under that much stress and your body can't, uh, you know, prioritize thyroid, prioritize fat loss and prioritize, uh, just general functions, what happens is over time, your body kind of, again, because it wants to get back to the homeostasis. And homeostasis for your body is essentially uh, like, would be like calorie maintenance. You're not gaining, you're not losing. That's homeostasis. So basically, what it does, your body will do is kind of slow things down to meet your calorie needs. So if you're eating a thousand calories a day, over time, your metabolism starts to slow down because it needs to learn how to live off of a thousand calories. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why you'll see people who are eating 1,100 calories for you know four months they're like i don't understand how i'm not losing weight because over time not only is your metabolism slowed and now you're storing body fat to protect your organs like meg said but you're also not able to push as hard on your workouts you're not able to support lean muscle so now you're actually burning less calories so the only way to lose weight from there theoretically would be to eat less which again is not really possible when you're under eating already so that's why people get stuck in these plateaus right so the eating is a big one um the next one is stress and i know we said There's different forms of stress, but this stress I mean is like the emotional day-to-day life stress. Like you had stressful meetings at work, you have big bills, things like that. Annoying husband. Yeah. (laughs) Like those are like the everyday stressors that you might be able to recognize and understand that, okay, yeah, this is like affecting me. Um, So that's one. The next one is having a sedentary lifestyle. And I think with the pandemic, like we just saw this more because... Everyone got to start working from home. Everyone's working on computers all day. Gyms were closed. Like things just kind of got thrown for a loop and we were doing a lot of sitting. Um, And, you know, that impacts our body because it's basically sending a message to our body like, hey, we don't really move that much. So we don't really need this much Lean muscle, and we don't yeah. need lean muscle. Yeah, we don't yeah. need this much energy. So we'll store the energy, AKA as fat, so that later if we need it, we can dip into those stores. Mm-hmm. So again, not moving your body ever is going to be a stressor on your body because again, it's going to tell your body, we don't need all this energy. Let's just slow down. 
Um, and then on the other end of that is over-exercising. So over-exercising is going to be doing the same thing. Huge stressor on your body. You're using up more energy than you're giving your body. And um, your body basically is going into like a fight or flight stage. And don't get me wrong, every form of exercise other than like walking is a stressor on your body, even strength training, stressor on your body. But there's different forms of exercise that are more metabolically supportive and that don't kind of run you into the ground the way over-exercising using running, spinning, you know, like really long, intense hit classes, things like that. Um, And exposure to controlled stress is a good thing for the body. But it needs to be in that form of like controlled stress with other lifestyle choices supporting the recovery of that stress, which we'll get into later. But like essentially what Meg is saying is under-exercising is obviously we know that's bad for our health, but over-exercising could be just as detrimental uh, to our metabolism, to our overall health. And again, this is why people run into that frustration of hitting plateaus, not being able to see results, even though whether they feel like A, I'm barely eating or B, I'm exercising so much, these things could be working against you. And I think especially with like continually like long distance running and then continually doing like really intense hit classes where like the idea is just to die. Um, I think in those senses, like basically you start doing the class and yeah, maybe in the beginning or maybe when you first start running, you'll lose a little bit of weight. And that's because your body's adjusting. But over time, your body's like, I want to become the most efficient at what I'm doing. So I'm going to try to use less and less energy to get better at it. So basically we just end up using less energy and it's gonna be slowing our metabolism down. Um, So this is why like you can be doing HIIT for like five years and your body kind of doesn't ever really change Mm -hmm. other than like maybe in the first couple months. Um, Because your body just gets really efficient at doing that and your body doesn't change. You're not like adding muscle, you're not, um, you know, losing fat. So, The next one would be, uh, the next stressor is mineral and vitamin deficiencies. So um, minerals are substances that are not produced by the body. You have to get them through your diet. Um, The macro minerals are like calcium, magnesium, sodium, potassium, and then we have trace minerals like iron, copper, zinc, all of that. Um, And minerals are super important. They're the cofactors needed for so many enzyme reactions in our body. And they act like as little spark plugs all over our body, jump-starting those reactions. Um, And also our minerals get burned through when we're stressed. So many people are walking around with mineral deficiencies, particularly magnesium, sodium, and potassium. Yeah, as a joke, like so like when you get really stressed out about something, it's studies show that like you lose magnesium right away. Magnesium is super important. So me and Meg joke all the time, like if something stressful is going on in our life, we're like, Oh, I can feel magnesium leaving my body. Yeah, so like if you're stressed and you feel like that little pit in your stomach, like where you feel like kinda nauseous, kind of anxious, like whenever you feel that, you know, I always tell them, like, you know in my clients, that day you need to do something to replenish your magnesium because it was literally leaving your body. Magnesium is the first mineral to get burned through when we're stressed, but magnesium is also responsible for 3,700 enzyme reactions in our body. So when we don't have enough, things just go haywire. Um, So mineral deficiencies and then also vitamin deficiencies. Our body can produce some vitamins on its own, but um, not enough. And When we're talking about, you know, how our body slows down with metabolism, one of the things that gets slowed down is digestion. And when our digestion slows down, there's like a slew of 
um, things that will happen starting in your stomach. So like when your digestion slows down, you have less stomach acid. When you have less stomach acid, you can't break down your food as well. So then bigger chunks of food are moving into your small intestine. Then you have bigger chunks of food, so your small intestine can't break it down as well. So you're not absorbing your food as well. And then if those bigger chunks don't get broken down, they can end up kind of leaving your intestine through your gut wall, which is called like leaky gut. Um, And then now you're having like these foods and toxins just floating around your bloodstream. And then last, when we have really slow digestion, our liver can easily get overburdened, which is responsible for detoxing and all sorts of that. So basically, when we slow down our metabolism and and digestion too much, we're not even absorbing the minerals and vitamins that we're getting from our food. So even if we're eating super healthy, we might not even really be absorbing all of the nutrients from our food. Yeah, and and I know that like if you're if you're hearing this, you might be like, holy shit. Like that sounds pretty pretty intense, and the truth is that it is, and this is how important your health is. But obviously, we're not just going to just be the bearers of bad news. We want to give you guys logical, realistic tips you can do to improve your metabolism. Now, overall, I, I like anything else in life. It doesn't have to be one hundred percent perfect all the time. It's just if you start implementing these things and and know, have these things rattling around in your brain on a daily basis, you can make more informed decisions about your health, and you can identify when you're in a position to make those decisions. So. Um, is that all the stressors that you had? No. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Um, so, and like, I'm not trying to be negative, but I feel like... And these are all like potential stressors. So it doesn't mean that like everyone everywhere is suffering from all this stuff. It's just these are all the things that can go wrong when you're fucking up your metabolism. Right. And I feel like people generally try to make good choices when they have the information to make good choices. So you can only, you know, do the best you can with the information you have. So the more information you have, the better choices that you can make for yourself and your family, you know, to be to be healthy. Yeah, absolutely. So what are the next ones? Um, the next one is toxin exposure. And this one's kind of a big one, and I'll just kind of touch on it briefly, but like, On a regular basis, we are exposed to so many toxins from water contaminants and if you drink tap water to, um, you know, like just shit ingredients and processed foods like artificial colors and um, flavorings and GMOs and canola oil and, you know, polyunsaturated fats and then all the way to your beauty products that might have parabens and um, things like that that can really throw off you know, the delicate balance in your body because you're exposing your body to chemicals and things that it doesn't really know how to process. And then some of them, like in our beauty products, actually act as different things in our body. So, you know, um, certain beauty product things like parabens and things like that are actually endocrine disruptors and they'll actually act as estrogen in your body. So now your body's like, whoa, I have like all this estrogen. Um, So just being mindful of how you source your food and the types of products you use can play an important role in helping to um, support your metabolism. And then the next one is kind of going along with that one, but like basically just our mainstream diet. Um, I think when we look at like what people are eating on a regular basis, it's a lot of like processed foods. Um, You know, if if you're shopping like in the middle of the grocery store in those middle aisles, most of that food has things in it that, you know, could be throwing off your gut microbiome or, um, you know, just things you really shouldn't be exposing yourself to because they can cause things like oxidative stress, like if you're eating vegetable oils and canola oils. Um, So those are stressors on the body because then your liver has to work harder to detox them. The next one is macronutrient deficiencies, which I'm sure Adam 
hammers in all the time that you need to have your protein, but it's so true. Like our liver needs protein. It needs it to like convert our thyroid hormone. We need protein is like the building block of our body. We need it for our cells and for our bones. Um, and so we need to have like a nice ratio of macros. And then the last one which people don't really think about is past or present trauma. So past or present trauma can kind of like linger in your body and just cause um, like an added stressor that you might not even realize is there. Or if you came from like a childhood that was very hectic and you were living in fight or flight a lot, then as an adult, you almost like look to be there as your normal because that's what you're used to. But living in fight or flight um, is really detrimental to our metabolism because we're running on stress hormones. Um, and so that's just another thing that we have to kind of be mindful of and, and think about and recognize. Yeah, so let's, so let's, if we were to, if we kind of break that down, let's, let's think of the average, the average American, uh, and we'll go average American male or female. So let's call it, let's call them Jack and Jill. Like Jack and Jill generally, will, you know, or working like a nine to five job where they're sitting a lot. So that's that sedentary lifestyle. They're generally under eating protein, probably chronically dehydrated. They're choosing foods based off of convenience or comfort or taste, which generally leads to, you know, overly processed foods, things like that. We're living stressed. We're not getting good sleep where, um, which is probably another one that we can go over. Probably bad sleep is another a stressor on the body. Bad sleep, waking up, first thing that goes in your mouth, what is caffeine? Like, uh, so you're immediately like putting yourself in that fight or flight response. Then you're sitting all day, stressed out. Maybe you're exercising too much. Maybe you're not exercising enough. So it's just a lot of stuff going on. Um, so if, if, if that lifestyle kind of resonates with you in any sort of way, or even if there's a couple of things that Meg listed that you're like, oh, that might be me, that might be me. Um, and you're wondering, could my metabolism not be supported the way it should be? You know, what are what are some ways that someone can identify if they have a, a damaged metabolism? Yeah, so I think that I'll list I'll list the symptoms and then we'll go over ways to identify it. So some of the symptoms of having low metabolism slash low thyroid. So the two go hand in hand. So your thyroid, think of it if your metabolism is the train, your thyroid is the conductor of the train. So if your metabolism's slow, your thyroid's slow, and vice versa. So these are a lot of symptoms that you would see listed for like if you had hypothyroidism, where mm -hmm. you're just like a sluggish thyroid. So it'd be like cold hands and feet, um, low pulse, low body temps, um, brittle hair and nails, um, afternoon crashes, like relying on coffee in the afternoon, um, not being a morning person, um, low libido, very sensitive to stress. Um, so if you find yourself like snapping very easily, having anxiety, depression, um, those are some symptoms of uh, low metabolism. Um, infertility, PMS, cycle issues, uh, excessive thirst and urinating, not having regular bowel movements are some of the most common things seen with low, meta low metabolism. Also like inability to lose weight easily and then also like kind of having like that weight stored around your midsection like we were talking, talking yeah about. and again if any of that stuff resonates with you we're not saying hey you just have a slow metabolism we're saying your lifestyle isn't supporting a solid strong metabolism so these are some ways that we can see if you have it and then we're going to give you some ways that you can help uh, improve it so so if you have those 
if you have any of those symptoms, like uh, those would be kind of markers to go, okay, I might need to make some changes. Yeah. So like basically most of those resonate with some sort of metabolic marker and metabolic markers are just like little health markers that you use to do a little check-in with your body and like kind of see where it's at. So the most common metabolic markers used are um, your basal body temp. So if you were curious if your metabolism is thriving or not, put a you know, a thermometer next to your bed at night. When you wake up in the morning before you get out of bed, don't even sit up. Just put the thermometer in your mouth. Do that two or three days in a row and see what your average is. So ideally, we want it around 97.8. Um, if you are in the second half of your cycle, it could be a little warmer, which is fine, but we don't want it colder. You know, I see a lot of clients coming to me and their, their basal body temps are in the 96s. Like, that's cold, you mm-hmm. know? Um, Which, again, means your metabolism is not revving the way we want it to. Right. Um, another one would be, like, your resting pulse rate. So if you wear an Apple Watch or any sort of heart tracker, it probably tells you on a regular basis what your resting heart rate is. And most people are probably around 55 <laughs> or 60. Um, and we really want it to be around 70, 75. Okay. Um, this lets us know, if you think of your metabolism, you want to think of, like, warm. Your body should be warm. Um Another one would be blood pressure. You know, having a low blood pressure is kind of a sign of low metabolism. Um, Libido, like you should have adequate libido. Your cycle should be regular. You shouldn't be like ragey and have all these PMS symptoms. That's not normal. Um, You should, if, if, you know, if you are still having a cycle, you should be ovulating well. Um, Those are a good health marker to look at. Another one would be like digestion. Like, are you having a bowel movement every day? One to three bowel movements a day is what is normal. So if you're having less than that, then, you know, that's a sign that your your food and everything is staying in your colon longer. And that's just sitting there and allowing toxins to then re-enter your bloodstream because it's not leaving your body. Um, And then some other ones are sleep energy and then like your overall mental status so you should have enough energy like I said afternoon crashes is an example of low metabolism but like you should have enough energy to last throughout the day without relying on caffeine Mm -hmm. numerous times throughout the day you should be sleeping well seven to nine hours we don't want to see that like waking up in the middle of the night or having a hard time falling asleep and then like your overall mental status like do you feel like you can handle stress well like if stress pops up in your life do you find that you have anxiety or depression Um, those are also some metabolic markers. And I just want to note that weight on a scale is not a metabolic marker. And like how much you weigh gives zero picture of your overall health. Um, and and you can identify like, like if you're, if you're someone who wants to lose 75, hundred pounds, like obviously you can identify, I probably need to lose some weight, but if that's the only thing you're focusing on, you're not going to be working on all this other stuff, which is going to make the process harder. And I think that's a, that's one thing that I like to always hit on is that we're not laying out all this stuff for you to distract you from your goal of losing weight. We're trying to make the process as efficient, healthy, and easy as possible so you can do this long-term and live a healthier lifestyle. So obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, your goal might be weight loss. You might be hearing all this stuff and thinking, well, all I care about is weight loss. Well, if all you care about is weight loss, that's one of the reasons why all this other stuff is fucked up. Because you're just constantly trashing your body, like running towards the scale number. And then when you don't see it, you go back to your old behavior, which is what we talked about in the first five minutes, yo-yo dieting. Yeah. And you're never going to get to, you know, that ideal place you want to be if you're not 
supporting your overall health and metabolism. Yeah, absolutely. And guess what? When you start supporting your metabolism, not only will you feel better, and it's actually not that difficult to do, and that's what we're going to get into, is that it's not super difficult, and it doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be consistent. If you're supporting a healthy metabolism, you'll find that weight loss is easier. What you will not find, though, as I'm again, Meg can correct me if I'm wrong, is it doesn't mean that it's going to be faster. Nothing we give you is quick fix weight, you know, quick shed 10 pounds in 10 weeks sort of thing. This is ways to help the process of losing weight be easier, but more importantly, so you live an overall healthier, more beneficial lifestyle. So um, this, so kind of kind of wrapping up like the first part of what we we're talking about is, you know, metabolism doesn't magically just slow down. Your lifestyle choice is affected. You don't have to have a perfect lifestyle. Like take me and Meg, for example. I think we both live pretty healthy lifestyles and we try to support a healthy metabolism, but it doesn't mean like we're never eating, uh, you know, Cheez-Its or something like that. It doesn't mean that. It just means overall we're consistent with supporting healthy metabolism. So when you're supporting a healthy metabolism, one of the things Meg turns her clients onto and she's very passionate about is the, uh, it's called pro-metabolic eating or pro-metabolic lifestyle. So could you... Give me a, like, a, like a brief background on what that means. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. And then just some realistic ways that you can help the metabolism kind of bounce back if you're suffering from any of this stuff. Sure. So pro-metabolic eating is basically just honoring your body's physiology and supporting it so that your body can just, you know, run efficiently. So a lot of foods that we consume and put in our body, we have no... You know, we're not mindful about, well, what's this going to do for my body? Or how is this going to affect my body? So, like, when we go out to eat and we get a burger and fries, for example, those foods are cooked in some shit vegetable oils. And those vegetable oils used sparingly are okay, but, like, a lot of people go out to eat a lot or they use those oils at home, for example. And those oils can release free radicals in our body which causes oxidative stress that's a stressor on our body it's going to impact our liver and detox but most people aren't thinking about that when they go out to eat or when it's snack time and they just grab anything like a any naked carb and comfort it's yeah. either comfort or convenience right. whatever is convenient but they're or not comfortable. thinking like oh is is my snack right now you know macro balanced so that i'm not going to like spike my blood sugar no or in the morning when they wake up and they're like, I'm going to go to my hit class at 5 a.m. and all I'm going to drink is coffee on the way. They're not thinking about like, well, you're running on stress hormones and your liver needs fuel right now. So I think on a regular basis, we don't operate that way, which is normal. But I think that if we can start implementing things that can help our body run the way it's meant to run, then we see that our metabolism can improve and then we um, don't have as many health issues going on. Um, so with pro-metabolic eating, sometimes I, I have to tell people like you're going to have to unlearn lots of things that you've learned because it prioritizes carbs as your main fuel. And no, I don't mean like enriched breads and pastas. I mean like root veggies and fruit and juice and honey and things like that um it prioritizes animal proteins and it prioritizes saturated fats so those are like kind of the three main parts of pro-metabolic eating um and it has a an emphasis on limiting PUFAs which are polyunsaturated fats and um those are found in things like nuts seeds vegetable like I've been saying vegetable and canola oils and I think our 
for some reason, someone decided that nuts and seeds wanted to be everything. So they've literally taken like a side snack that people might have just nibbled on and they've turned it into milks and yogurts and cheeses. Like you can find a seed made into anything, pizza crust, like, and they're just not meant to be consumed that way. And they aren't metabolically supportive foods. So um, basically with pro-metabolic, you would wanna be eating balanced macros and prioritize animal proteins and seafood and then have those like root veggies and fruits and then saturated fats like butter, ghee, tallow. Um, and then you could have things like coconut oil or avocado oil. Awesome, yeah. So, and again, just like everything else I say and everything else Max says, this isn't a 100%, 365 days, 24 seven sort of rule. This is, if your overall nutrition and lifestyle is supporting a healthy metabolism, you're gonna you're gonna support a healthy metabolism, and the the few times a week or month that you happen to not eat this way are not gonna have a drastic negative effect on your body. So again, we're always playing the long game. We're playing the overall game. So does this mean you're not allowed to eat bread? No. Does it mean like you're not allowed to eat out? No. We eat we eat bread. We eat out. We eat those things. We we drink alcohol on occasion. It doesn't mean you can't do any of these things. What it means is that if you can take an objective look at your day-to-day life and say my day-to-day life is not healthy and I'm not supporting my my metabolism and my overall health, then hopping on the next quick fix diet or just aimlessly cutting calories or basing your food choices off of what's low calorie versus what's not is probably not the best way to go about it. So uh, besides like the pro-metabolic eating, what are some other like day-to-day things people can do to support a healthy metabolism? So with all my clients and like with myself, I have like a, we have to build a nutrition foundation. So like before you build a house, you have to lay the groundwork and you have to do that with your, you know, with your diet as well. And um, so the first thing I always have my clients do, and I, and I recommend everyone to do it, is to figure out like where your maintenance calories should be. And like, it's gonna be an estimate, but like you can go online and find a maintenance calorie calculator and put it in and see like how far off from that are you. And again, it's gonna be like a general number, they're just guessing, and your body might need more or less, but like a lot of times, most of my clients put it in and they're like 2,200 calories they should be eating. And they're eating like 15 or 14 or- Or they're eating 900 a couple days a week and then 3,500 other days a week, yeah. So I think one of the biggest things is you have to eat enough. And I think this is like the scariest part because everyone's like, I don't wanna gain weight, I don't wanna gain weight, and it's like, yeah, but your body has to feel safe. <laughs> like your body's not gonna keep just letting you lose weight. And you know, in, in my clients say, like your body's not gonna let you get pregnant if like it's not safe, you have to be safe. Well, yeah, and uh, and the, the way I would word it to people to also do is like, listen, you could take this advice, try it, and possibly either not lose or gain a little bit of weight, but in a controlled, coached environment, or guess what? If you keep doing the things the way you're doing, you're gonna gain the weight anyway, and you're not gonna know how to fix it. So we're doing a controlled maintenance like period where we're eating more calories to support a healthy metabolism. Which yes, like I tell my clients too, when we start healing your metabolism or reverse dieting you, you might gain a little bit of weight at first, but it's a temporary sacrifice for the long term benefit. Because again, the other option is you keep doing what you're doing, and you're gonna gain the unwanted weight anyway. We're gaining wanted weight temporarily so that we could then lose more on the back end yeah so the number one the biggest one is eating enough 
The next one would be eating within 30 minutes of waking. So coffee is not fucking breakfast. (laughs) So stop waking up and drinking coffee. Like your liver stores glucose overnight. It's detoxing your body. After seven to nine hours, if your liver is healthy and functioning well, you run out of that stored glucose. And But like a quick side note. Me and Meg are drinking coffee as we do this podcast. We're not saying you can't drink coffee. We're just saying that the first thing, if the first thing going into your body in the morning is straight caffeine with cream and sugar, probably not the best option. Yeah. And so anyway, so your liver has seven to nine hours of stored glucose. When you wake up in the morning, you are out of that glucose and you are now running on stress hormones. And this is why people can like bounce up in the morning and they're like, I'm a morning person. I'm going to go do a hit class with putting nothing in my body. It's like, yeah, cool. Cortisol and adrenaline, they feel good because if someone's coming to attack you, those hormones are going to either help you fight or flight to run. So it's it's a lot of energy it gives you to do those things. So again, correct me if I'm wrong, but would you say that it, so it kind of works on both ends? So you got the one person who's probably got like not a supported metabolism. They wake up and they're like ready to go because they're living in the, the fight part of fight or flight. But then you have the other people who like you, you, have, you have to drag yourself out of bed every morning and you have no energy. That's another sign that your metabolism is probably not where we want to be. You want to be able to wake up and start your day. And again, we have a we have a son. We, you know, we both get up early. We both have full-time jobs. Like we know that sleep isn't always going to be amazing. But if you're either dragging yourself out of bed and it takes, every, it takes three cups of coffee to wake you up or you're waking up in the morning and the first thing in your body is caffeine. You're like, I'm going to go run myself into the ground with this hit class. Like both of those are probably not in line with what's best for your metabolism. Right. And if you're one of those people that like you fall asleep great and then you wake up around like 2 or 3 or 4 a.m. and you have a hard time getting back to sleep, that's your body being like, hey, my liver's already out of glucose. So that means like your liver might be a little bit overburdened or maybe you stopped eating at 5.30 at dinner and now it's 2 a.m. and your body's like, hey, like I need some energy here. And that's your body. Like Your body will wake you up because you don't have energy to continue doing what you were doing. So we wake up in the morning and we're running on stress hormones. Putting caffeine in your body is going to increase those stress hormones more. So now we're just this like, hot pile of cortisol and adrenaline running around town on coffee and and then crashing at noon right and then we crash in the afternoon and we do, we need like a nap or another cup of coffee and um we need to stop doing that so we need to give ourselves glucose in the morning so that means you have to have some sort of easily digestible carb like fruit um something like that and then pair it with a protein because we don't want these huge blood sugar swings because Having unbalanced blood sugar is another stressor. So could you give like an example of what that might look like? Like say say someone wants something relatively convenient and quick in the morning before they have their coffee. That's that's that fits that that template. Yeah. So like you could have a hard boiled egg and some fruit on the side, or um, you could have like maybe um, some like grass fed Greek yogurt with yeah. Like you fruit. could have Greek yogurt. You could have like a glass of milk with something. Um, just, it doesn't have to be huge. It just has to give your body the energy it needs. So it doesn't just keep running on those stress hormones. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So eat enough, eat within 30 minutes of waking. And then we need to be eating every three to four hours back to the blood sugar. When our blood sugar gets really low because we're either not replenishing food, AKA fasting, or you eat breakfast and then you don't eat again for six hours. Like you're out of, like your body is crashed. You are at the bottom. If we're on a roller coaster, you are at the bottom of the hill, and now you have to work your way back up, and your blood sugar is going to spike. And over time, like, this is why 
insulin resistance and diabetes and so many people are undiagnosed pre-diabetes because of this exact thing. Like we do this every day for years and years and years. Consistency. And, yeah. And You're our being body, super consistent. And with our body it. can't keep up. Like our body can't, we're not meant to be on a ship in like the perfect storm going over these huge spikes and dips. We're meant to be like sailing on calm waters. So yeah. eating every three to four hours does that. And then um, the third part is you have to eat balanced macros, like I was saying before. No naked carbs, protein or fat with your carbs. Um, So those are like the biggest ones. Yeah, those are the biggest like nutrition things. Yeah, so those are like the foundations. You should do those every single day. There's no reason why someone can't do those. Yeah, like like, let's say even if you, let's say you do have a, like I I have a crazy schedule, Meg has a crazy schedule. There's times where I need to work out first thing in the morning, right? So, but again, if that one time a week is not following these rules, but the other six are, that's not going to affect me as much as when all seven days are in line. But let's just say you're someone who schedule-wise has to work out at 5 a.m. It's either you're going to work out at 5 a.m. or you can't work out. And we all know exercise is good for us. Like, what advice could we give them? So, again, no reason why you can't do this. It doesn't mean you can't wake up 10 minutes earlier and have a cup of natural like orange juice not tropicana like actual good orange juice and a, a source of protein like like a bone broth or something like that like meg when i see her work out on like a saturday morning she always prioritizes having like the like her adrenal cocktail if you're not familiar with that it is go check it out on instagram our adrenal cocktail and like a cup of bone broth super easy to digest doesn't cause like it doesn't sit in your stomach and she then she goes and does her workout like not that hard um, so I guess I, I answered my own question on that. <laughs> um, yeah, and it doesn't have, I'm not saying you have to eat like a full breakfast, but you have to put something in your body and preferably like I do like to have bone broth and then I have like an adrenal cocktail on the side, which is a mineral rich drink um, that comprises of orange juice and then a potassium and a sodium source. And that um, orange juice is straight glucose it's so easily digestible so like when I take that it's going right to replenishing my um, glucose and giving me energy and then it's balanced because I have bone broth with collagen on the side so I'm making sure that my blood sugar is not just spiking and again she's not drinking sunny d like it's like it's like it's it's like good quality orange juice right you know and okay go ahead no, then, so those are the nutrition foundations. Like, a lot of times when I start working with my clients, I'm like, for the first three weeks, like, you just have to hit these every single day. And then they check in with me on Friday. I'm like, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? Um, and those are, like, the foundations. Then you can start diving into, like, okay, now that I nailed these down, I'm going to start prioritizing foods that are going to be easier and more beneficial for my body. So more nutrient-dense foods, like I was saying. I think sugar like gets this like bad rap so some people like don't even really eat fruit they never drink juice and glucose is our body's preferred form of energy and fruits are very easily digestible for our body as are root veggies things like potatoes um so when you eat those like your body doesn't have to go through a big process to like break it down as is when you eat like gluten or legumes or nuts and seeds like those take a your body a long time to break down and they have to go through a lot of steps and remember if we're coming from a place of compromised digestion from having a slow metabolism it's just harder for your body which is why we see women walking around like bloated and constipated and having all these digestive issues because they're eating foods that like just aren't really easy for their body to break down and use mm-hmm. yeah and what about from outside of uh, the the three the mandatory like non-negotiable food choices or the 
food protocols, what about from like an exercise perspective or just the day-to-day life things that you can do? Yeah. So for exercise, we want to be doing exercises that are metabolically supportive. So to all you runners out there, it's going to be strength training. (laughs) But, you know, you can have a healthy balance. It's okay to do cardio it's just not okay to like run your body into the ground doing cardio. Yeah, and like like cardio is obviously good for you. It's just it's basically like like the the analogy I use is like cardio is a screwdriver and you know strength training is a hammer. You can't use a screwdriver to do a hammer's job. So cardio should be used for overall health, for overall heart health. It shouldn't be a game of how hard and fast and long can I run to see that scale drop. It should be something that's supplemented into your day-to-day life. And, and a great form of cardio might be something just like walking, going for daily walks and things like that. But when we're train, when we're training and trying to support a metabolism, just like Meg said, just like I've told you guys over and over and over again, like when you're strength training, it's a form of controlled stress that you can periodize and and there's different variables you can tweak to you know con- put put that put yourself in a controlled stress environment where you're then going to uh, be able to recover from from making these lifestyle uh, changes. And and the nice thing about strength training is that when you do cardio, like let's say you go for a run or you take a spin class or whatever, the second that workout is done, you are done burning calories. Whereas when you strength train, you are continually burning calories even after your workout because you're building muscle and then your body has to work to maintain that muscle. So if you're trying to fire up your metabolism, get it running warmer, get it using your energy, strength training is the best thing you can do for that because it's going to, your body has to continually work to maintain it. So it's going to be revving it up, making it warmer. And like we talked about, having a warm body is a good sign that your metabolism is working well. And then uh, another sign, like as you start to make these changes, you'll notice like better sleep, more more morning hunger, things like that, more energy throughout the day. Um, so yeah, so real, so just to kind of bullet point that, realistic actions to help support a healthy metabolism would be making sure we're eating enough food and under the umbrella of that, enough calories and a balanced macronutrient profile, meaning you have a protein, carb, and a fat at pretty much every meal or every feeding. Uh, from there, we wanna make sure we're eating breakfast within 30 minutes of waking up. It doesn't always have to be a full breakfast. It's just some sort of source of a protein and an easily digestible carb to kind of jumpstart the body. Not saying you can't have coffee, but coffee comes second. You want to have that that carb and and protein first. And then shifting more into like a controlled strength training uh, sort of program would be a good idea too. Uh, What about from like a sleep perspective? Are there any kind of tips you can give people to help improve their sleep? Yeah, so I mean, if you're... Um, you know, providing your body with fuel and you're working out efficiently, you you should feel, you know, tired at night. I think some things that you can do are, if you do find yourself waking between like that 2 to 4 a.m. time um, and you're just not able to get like a good restful night's sleep, um, try to have a snack before bedtime. Sometimes our bodies just need that fuel to make it through the night. And it doesn't mean you have to do it forever, but just something small to help you get through the night. Um, And again, if you know how many calories you're eating throughout the day, you can easily fit that thing in without the fear of, am I going to get fat from eating at night? Like we all know that that's a myth by now, but like if we're, if we're controlling calories, we know about the stuff, you can plan ahead and go, okay, this is my nighttime snack. This is my morning snack to jumpstart my metabolism in the morning. And you can bookend your day with those two things and which are going to help, you know, with everything we're talking about. Yeah. And then I think another thing we need to do is like, we need to 
find places in our life where we can like slow down and like unplug. So if you're getting into bed and you're watching TV and you're scrolling on your phone, like you're just throwing off your circadian rhythm, you know, like you're exposing yourself to blue light and that's just going to impact your sleep. Um, and also just doing things to de-stress and, um, you know, find ways that you can relax your body and, you know, just like see where you are and like how you're feeling on a day-to-day basis which I think we just like ignore and we're just like go 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 and that's just like the lifestyle we live now but I think it's important that we're like checking in with ourselves and our stress levels and um, seeing how we're doing on like a day-to-day basis yeah absolutely so uh just to kind of kind of wrap things up here is uh the one kind the one piece I did want Meg to touch on is is something that I think resonates with with all of my personal clients is that a lot of my clients are moms and they're working moms they have husbands they have kids they have busy schedules so like meg she's a great mom she's a great wife she has a full-time job she has a, a, a growing online business she's obviously very busy so what are some tips that you can give busy moms to help them still prioritize their health and fitness again we're not just talking about weight loss but obviously this stuff is going to help with maintaining a healthy body composition as well yeah um, so like I have to get Carter ready in the morning. I have to get myself ready. I have to then bring him to the babysitter. So I literally will make my breakfast the night before and I pack it just the same way I pack my lunch and I have my breakfast at work. Um, other, I eat the, the little breakfast in the morning to like stop my fast, but then my big breakfast is like, I don't eat it till I get to work and, but everything is packed the night before because if you're, if you're not preparing, then you're just preparing to fail. So um, by, you know, meal prepping, packing ahead of time, those are really helpful things to, like, make sure I'm getting in the nutrients and the food that I want to get in. Um, and then, um, you know, taking time for yourself with, like, workouts, like, making sure you prioritize getting a workout in. Like, that's important for you. That's going to make you a, a better version of yourself. It's going to make you a better mom. So if, you know, working out is something that you need to do, like, schedule it into your day and make sure it happens. Um, and and again, it doesn't have to be every single day. Like, you know, I, some weeks maybe you might be able to get four workouts in, but some weeks maybe it's only two. Yeah. But if you're scheduling those in and you're super consistent with that, you're going to see great results and you're going to feel better. And, and, and the way the, the comparison I always make to people is that if you had a dentist appointment or a doctor's appointment or your kids had an appointment or a game, you re- rearrange your whole schedule to make those things happen. So you could and should be doing the same thing for your health and for your fitness. Um, and then I, one thing that you did touch on last night when we were kind of talking about this stuff was, you know, Meg's very big on, you know, doing one thing for yourself each day. And, and that, that, that some for some people that could be the workout, but could you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, so I just think that, you know, um, like I was saying, like when you're stressed, magnesium is leaving your body, minerals are leaving your body. And like we need to be conscious of like how hard we're pushing ourselves on a daily basis and making sure that we're doing things to just like slow down once in a while. So that means like taking an Epsom salt bath or, you know, take, reading a book or going for a walk or having coffee with a friend or walking your dog or, you know, pushing your son or daughter on the swing, like whatever like is going to be something that just like de-stresses you. You're not thinking about work. You're not thinking about bills. You're not scrolling on your phone. Like you're present and in the moment. I think it's important for moms to like try to get that in every day. And I think some days will be harder than other. And some days it might be 30 minutes and some days it might be five. But I think it's important that we don't lose, 
you know, ourselves in being moms and that we still like prioritize and take care of ourselves because, you know, as we get older, we want to be our healthiest selves for our children. Yeah. And I think that stuff trickles down. If you put yourself as priority one, you know, you're just going to be able to show up for your kids, your friends, you know, significant others in, in a better version of yourself. So I think it gets it gets lost and people think they're being selfish sometimes by doing things for themselves. But in reality, if you're playing the long game, you're thinking about the overall effect of that. It's actually very selfless to prioritize yourself because you're saying, I'm going to go do fucking Bulgarian split squats and suffer through that because I know it's going to make me more present in the end and it's going to keep me around longer. And if you reframe your mind at that, instead of thinking like, I have to go work out to lose weight, like think about it realistically, you're willing, if if you're someone who is maybe not used to putting themselves first, think about this, you're literally willing to go do a physically strenuous activity for the long-term benefit of I'm going to be able to run around and play with my kids longer. I'm going to be able to be there for my grandkids. For me, that's what gets me through like, you know, some of the days when I don't feel like working out is like, oh, yeah, this is going to keep me around longer for the people that need me. Um, and I, I think this is a very important thing to, to touch on uh, for, for you and for me, babe. But like, it's just like we, I think sometimes when people look at people who are passionate about health and fitness or if they're like a fitness person or whatever, uh, you can kind of get the, the bad rap or the stereotype that like, we're sitting on like this high horse and you have to live like this perfect lifestyle with no deviations and you got to like do all this stuff. It's like, that's not fucking true at all. Like we're not perfect and we don't like stick to this stuff a hundred percent of the time, but do we do it a solid 80% of the time? Like pretty much, it doesn't mean we don't enjoy, uh, uh, you know, wine on the weekends. It doesn't mean we don't go out to eat sometimes. Like I think it's important to let people know that because sometimes when they hear all this information, it can be very overwhelming. They're like, I don't even know where to begin. But if you can just start with some day-to-day non-negotiable things that you're going to do to support your metabolism and kind of break away from this losing, gaining weight, you're going to see the long-term benefit and just understand that it doesn't need to be perfect. And we're not coming here sitting on like a pedestal. Like we do all these things perfectly and, and, and all that stuff. Like like I said, we, we're regular people. We have busy schedules. We don't always get great sleep. We don't always hit all these markers on a day-to-day basis. But we've developed a communic- an open communication and set non-negotiables so that we're doing this at least 80% of the time. Or am I wrong in saying that? No, yeah. (laughs) You know, if you have the 80-20 rule, like, that's great, but most of us have, like, a 20-80 rule, you know? And, like, it's no, like, 46% of Americans are walking around pre-diabetic, 88% of Americans have some sort of metabolic dysfunction. Like, we're not just, like, saying you have a slow metabolism. Like, you probably have a slow metabolism, you know? And, And that's okay, and you can fix it. And... You know, fixing your metabolism isn't only about like, I'm going to fix my metabolism so I can lose weight. It's like, you're going to fix your metabolism so you're fat, you have healthy thyroid function, so you have healthy digestion, you're absorbing your nutrients. Um, your metabolism is how your your body and your cells use energy to keep you alive and healthy. So like things like cardiovascular health, like all of that is going to relate to your metabolism. Basically, isn't... do you want to walk around feeling like shit every day Yeah. or not? <laughs> it's, it comes down to that. And like, do you want to, do you want to be, you know, healthy? So, um, yeah. So I think hitting the, the non-negotiables, exercising smart and doing one thing a day for you are probably the top three things. And then after that comes like including certain foods, which you can go look on my Instagram. Like I talk about foods like liver and eggs and shellfish all the time and like the importance of those. Um, But I think until you get the foundations in, you don't really need to worry about that um, as much. Yeah, start with the basics. Focus on 
eating within 30 minutes of waking up, making sure we're eating enough calories to support ourselves, and we're getting in some sort of controlled beneficial exercise a couple times a week. Yeah. If you can start there, I think you're ahead of the curve for, like I said, 46, 50% of Americans. And from there, we can then tweak and tweak and tweak. But until you get those basic things down, I know we threw a lot of information at you. Um, so if people do have questions or if they want to know more, uh, I know I said at the beginning, but just kind of where, where can people find you and you know where can they get access to your mailing list, things like that. Yeah, so um, my website is mamaeats.com. It's M-A-M-A-E-A-T-S-S.com. And when you go to the website, it'll a pop-up will come up if you want to get on my email list. Uh, there's a newsletter every Friday that goes out. And it's not just related strictly to fertility because I'm also kind of on a path to help just women heal their metabolism. Um, and then you can follow me on Instagram. Um, Same Mama spelling. Eats, yeah, two S's on the end. And then just like... I get this question a lot, but people will be like, how do I know that like this stuff is working? And, and I think a good way that's like concrete is that let's say you want to see if you're, you know, your basal body temp. So you take them and they're in the 96s for three days in a row. So you're like, okay, my metabolism is pretty slow. Then start doing these things for one or two months. Take your basal body temps again. Like they should be coming up. And I and see. even if you just did that, like just that one marker, yeah, that gives you some evidence that it's working, and then yeah. everything else starts to fall into place. Yeah, and then you might notice, like, oh hey, like I just noticed that, like, I didn't have any cramps during my period, or like I want to have sex with my husband a lot, or you know, like, awesome, sounds great to me. <laughs> or like these are all markers that, like, you might not notice on a regular basis, but if you want something concrete, like, okay, I'm gonna commit to doing this, these foundations, eating breakfast, eating often, you know all that stuff, I want to know if it's working, do the basal body temps, you know? Check and, back every once in a while. They and, should be improving. Yeah, and, and just to kind of wrap things up, like, so, like, uh, it's funny that you just said that, but, like, when I uh, work with, like a, like, a female or male client, but let, let's just use females because that's what we're talking about right now. When we're working with a female client, as we go through the process, and, and, and if you guys have listened to anything I've said, I'm sure you've probably realized this by now, I understand that weight loss is the selling point to most people so you have to draw them in with that but when you listen to the words i say and the things i post it's always about overall health supporting healthy metabolism and supporting a, a mentally healthy relationship with food what you'll notice is as you do all these things people think a lot of the benefits that they're feeling more energy uh, better workouts higher libido more confidence better sleep they think that those are the side effects of weight loss in reality, those are the side effects of a better metabolism, and another side effect of a better metabolism is weight loss. So we have to restructure our approach to weight loss and health by supporting a good metabolism, and then all this other stuff, libido, sleep, energy, hunger, and weight loss will be a side effect of supporting a healthy metabolism. And the one thing that people need to get over is that when you're supporting a healthy metabolism, when you first start doing it, it might be a little inconvenient, you might not see weight loss right away, but again, all that other stuff are the side effects of supporting a healthy metabolism. And I think it's super important for people to realize because we always want the quick result, the quick weight loss, but again, if you're noticing this, this, these results from weight loss, those aren't the results of weight loss. Weight loss is the result of a healthy metabolism and all this other stuff is also a result of a healthy metabolism. Make sense? All right, she would correct me if I was wrong. So anyway, thank you, babe. Uh, we should probably go pick up our son real quick and continue our beautiful spring day in New York where it is icy, slushy snow. Um, anyway, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. I mean, we, we live together, so I'll see you for the rest of the day. <laughs> 
All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening. As always, please share, like, leave a review, leave a five-star rating, and I genuinely appreciate it.